expressly says that in the later times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith of the good doctrine which you carefully have carefully followed. But reject profane and old wives' fables, and exercise yourself toward godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things. Having promise of the faith that now is, and of what which is to come. This is a faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptance. For to this end we both labor and suffer reproach, because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. These things command and teach. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attention to the reading, and to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy, with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things, give yourself entirely to them, that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine, continue in them, for in doing this you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Let's pray. Father God, we just come to you with a heart of thanks. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it shines light into the dark places, Lord. And uh, just help us surrender this time to you, Lord, just to to bask in, in your glory and, and hear what you have for us, Lord. Open our eyes and our hearts. Lord, I ask that you bless Jackie as he comes forward and just uh, your words be spoke through him. And we just look to you, God, because you are everything we will ever need. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we continue our, our journey here in, in this epistle, Paul writing to encourage Timothy, who was a young man that Paul had spent a lot of time training up and getting ready, and, and then uh, several times, actually, Paul sends him out. He sent him out to Corinth. He sent him here to Ephesus. He sent him several different places to be a part of what he was doing. And as he did, he always gave him instructions. He always laid out for him his responsibilities. In verse 11, he says, command and teach these things. He's telling them to speak with authority to the people and lay out. But what are these things? Well, so far, these things have been the fact that the Holy Spirit has predicted that there would be deception in the last days. That people won't hold fast to sound doctrine. That they don't want to do what the Word of God says. That they don't want to follow what it lays out. 
So he challenges him to be careful what you're listening to. There's a lot of ways that we're able to have our lives affected in a positive way or a negative way. There's a lot of ways to pour the word of God in. And to allow that to change us. He warns us that there are lying spirits, demonic teaching, insincere liars. Remember the people who like to just say what you want to hear. These ones who have a branded conscience. It's seared, remember? It's seared. Their hearts are hardened. They walk in false doctrine. A type of self-righteous asceticism. An attempt to make myself holy by my list of do's or don'ts. When the scripture would lay out for us that we're made holy by relationship with Jesus Christ. For he who knew no sin became your sin sacrifice for the purpose of you becoming the righteousness of God. Our holiness is predicated on our relationship with Christ but it's not just that it's not just look I got this relationship with Christ and Christ has clothed me in his righteousness it is fully that but Jesus said something else too didn't he come and follow me there are places where Jesus walks or perhaps it's better to say there are places where we walk that Jesus perhaps wouldn't walk And so the word is challenging us, right? It's challenging us with a pious, a list of piety for elders and bishops, for their wives. In in another chapter, it'll be for widows. It'll be for those who walk in the church. Remember, that's one of the things that the scripture laid out. Paul's telling Timothy, he's he's saying, command and teach these things. Here, what what is this list of piety for? For us to say that doesn't apply to us. No, that's not what it's for. The, the, the pious list, be above reproach. Husband of one wife. Not quarrelsome. Right? Walking in gentleness. Why, why does he lay these things out for us? Because that's the goal. Put your eyes where you're trying to get to. Otherwise, you will not ever arrive where you're trying to go. None of us, if we get on the freeway going to Boise, spend our time looking behind us. If you do, it's going to be an interesting ride on the freeway. Right? Where are we looking? Where we're going? Why does God lay out these concepts for us? So we have a target. Right? And we know that our righteousness hinges on Christ so that when I fail... Just like we talked about tonight or, or today in taking the Lord's Supper. This is such a vital thing for us to grasp because I knew a lot of people who when the Lord's Supper would come say, no, I can't take it, I'm not worthy. Well, hallelujah, praise the Lord, none of us are worthy. We are not worthy in and of ourselves. What is he asking us to do? When we take the Lord's Supper, he's saying, examine yourself. For what purpose? That you can confess That you don't have to walk in unconfessed sin or unrepentant sin. That you confess it and be made clean, right? If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from 
which makes you right. That's the life. It's not a proud life that says, I never have to do this. It's a life that says, no, this is what... And he's saying, command and teach these things. Command and teach the body that there's a plurality of leadership. We have a tendency in Americanized Christianity to think that we have no responsibility for our brother. Well, hopefully the pastor will take care of that. Well, sometimes the pastor will. But the concept scripturally is there's a plurality of leadership. If you're part of the body, and I know you guys all do this for your own body, right? If you're part of the body, then when part of the body is sick or broken, nobody in here is walking around with a broken arm that they didn't go to the doctor for. Nobody in here's got a disease that they that they won't go seek medical attention for. Well, how do we do that in the body of Christ? Well, Jesus told us. If you have ought against your brother, speak to your brother. In love, meekness, and gentleness, seeking restoration. If you can't find it, then we work toward that goal, right? It's not our our job is not assigning consequences or judgment on another necessarily. Our job is seeking restoration, which goes back to the first part. What was the first part? If you have a sin, what do you do? Confess it, repent, and be made clean. Right? <clears throat> this is the life. This is the part when the body of Christ is functioning well. There's no cancer because. The body, just like your human body, is dealing with it as we go. We're not waiting for someone else to swoop in and rescue. We are actually, as a body, so concerned with our walk with the Lord and so focused on our time in the Word that we're well-grounded and able to approach these things. This is what he's being commanded to teach. Exercise godliness. Right after that he says, great is the mystery of godliness. You remember that? God was manifest in the flesh. Looks, he, he looks to Christ and he says, here is our example. What is it to exercise godliness? Exercise being like Christ. Exercise is something we practice, right? So, well, let me rephrase that. Exercise is something you guys practice. (laughs) I've already declared how against exercise I am. However, we need to have a focus also in exercising our godliness. Looking at Christ, following him. He's the example. Command and teach these things. Look, 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 2 Paul, writing to Timothy a little later, says this, Those who have believing masters must not be disrespectful on the ground that they are brothers. Rather, they must serve all the better, since those who benefit by their good service are believers and beloved. Teach and urge these things. See, it's the same. Be good examples of Christ. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, whatever's going on, And if there's a reason you think something's not, in love, gentleness, and meekness, 
Talk to a brother. Restore. Second Timothy 2 2 says this And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who do, who do what? Who will be able to teach others also. Timothy, you tell them, and then they tell two friends, and they tell two friends, and so on, and so on, and this is how the church gets purged. We all want to see the church purged a lot of different ways. Some people say, well, the church will get purged when she goes through the tribulation, if you believe the church goes through the tribulation period. Uh, That also begs the question, if you believe there is a tribulation period, there's lots of things to discuss as we look at that scripture. You want to know how the church is purged? When she starts acting like she's supposed to. When we put our eyes on Christ and follow him, when we exercise godliness, when we follow the examples that scripture give us, and we are driven to do what God says. When rather than looking to be right in an argument, we're looking to be restored. You know those are two different things, right? If you're married, you know those are two different things. Been a lot of times I said, you know what, I'm going to be right. And I was lonely. (laughs) There's no, there's literally Nothing in the scripture that says, hey, here's the deal. You need to be right in all your discussion. Now, we want to hold fast to sound doctrine. That's why we are learning to sit around a table and discuss things like civilized people. Because our world is full of people who will sit in a circle and throw things at one another, yell at one another, talk about the short shortcomings of, of others, but that's... That's not changing anything, just so you know. That's just dividing more. Until we learn that we can talk to the woman who's walking into Planned Parenthood and planning on terminating her pregnancy, and we don't have to yell at her. If we learn, we can just talk and ask her not to. Who knows what conversation you might have. I can tell you what conversation you have if you don't. None. And multiply that by all the different possible things that we could all disagree on, right? Command and teach these things. Be unified. Titus 2.15, he says, Declare these things. Exhort, rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. So he's saying this is, what, this is the life. This is what it looks like. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily look like shouting and screaming and shaking a fist and throwing uh, tomatoes or eggs or whatever, or words. It looks like just being able to engage. Because the world, the world is spiraling out of control. And we can shake our fist at it or we can lift our hands to heaven and give up. Or we can remember that Jesus said, occupy till I come. And if he's not here, it's not time to quit. When he shows up, he can take over. He'll do better than us, I'm sure. But in the meantime, we want to try to fulfill that purpose. So he says, command and teach these things. In verse 12, 
He says, let no one despise you for your youth, but set an example, set uh, set the believers an example in speech, conduct, love, faith, purity. Let your life be a pattern to follow. Be a pattern to follow. We sometimes get used to saying, don't do what I do, do what I say. Well, I know this is what I do. Be a pattern. I try to be a pattern for my kids. I, I was not always, well, was not often uh, good or right. I, I struggled a lot with my temper, but I did try to set one example, maybe a couple examples. That being one, take responsibility for what you do wrong and own your mistake. So if I lost it on the kids... I'm sure that doesn't happen to you guys. But if I lost it on the kids and I got a little carried away and after the smoke cleared, I'd go back in, sit down in a room and say, you know, the Bible tells me to discipline you, but it doesn't tell me to do it without self-control. So I would ask them, will you forgive me for losing my self-control? Because I want them to know. I don't want them to think dad's perfect. I want them to know when you mess up, you can always go to your father in heaven and say, forgive me. When you've done something wrong to somebody, you can always say, you know what? I'm sorry for that. Forgive me. It's amazing how many problems are solved that way you we can decide we're gonna dig in and fight for our right right but i think when we do that we sound a little bit like the disciples standing behind jesus arguing which one's the greatest jesus said the greatest among you will be the servant of all the greatest among you will be the one who is willing to humble himself These ought to be our goals. He says, be an example. Specifically, be an example in word. What you say. Ephesians chapter 4 says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. How many corrupt words? No corrupt words. Not one corrupt word. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, except such as will exhort, build up, the one for who you give it. The building up, seasoned with grace, seasoned in salt. Now, I'm not saying lying. I'm saying there are, you can speak the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love is perfect. Speak the truth without love is brutal. I learn this all the time. I I have a lot of conversations as pastor with people, and my tendency is to just shoot for blunt. Because I figure if I'm just really blunt, they won't misunderstand me. Because most of the sometimes when I try not to be blunt, then people don't hear it. They hear all the other stuff. But usually what happens when I'm blunt is they don't hear the love. So those are still things I'm working on. Which is why most of the time when I have one meeting, it, it usually ends up being two or three. Because afterwards i got to say, no, no, really, I love you. No, I'm serious. 
No, I, I, I mean, I, I really do. I just want you to understand. Usually by the third one, they go, okay, I guess, I guess I get you. He says, be an example in what you say. No corrupt words. Words that build up. Not words that tear down. I also learned this with my son, Joe. Joe, my son, um, he's not really able to come on Sundays or Wednesdays. He has autism. He's under our full-time care. Usually he's with a therapist on Sundays, so Kathy and I can do church without worrying about Joe coming in and teaching you corrupt words when he gets here. (laughs) Yes, later on, if you need a list of corrupt words, I'll just have you come over and sit in Joe's room, and he'll tell you. I don't know why that is. I always got a kick out of telling everybody I wish he would stop talking like his mother, but... I always find a way to get that in there. <clears throat> but, um, you know, with Joe, it does mean no good to focus on what's wrong. What, if Joe is having an outburst, whatever, computer quit working, it could be anything. Something happened and set him, set him off. What he used to tell us is, uh, is he had monster, or it was when his autism was too big, and he couldn't keep it under control. So it just comes out exploding all over everybody around. It's really not that much different than how we act, only we don't have autism. So he, it, it gets all big and it's exploding all over the place. And, and I realize I, I can say, stop saying that word. Or I can say, stop screaming and yelling. Or I can focus on all of those things. But I, I found uh, all I have to do is walk in his room and say, Joe, what drives away wrath and he says soft answer and then he stops now he may start up again in 10 minutes is that really a problem my answer didn't change Joe soft answer dad soft answer okay Try the soft answer. And so we practice. Use your words. You can live your life governed by the word of God and follow what it says and be an example in word. The second thing is be an example in conduct. What you do. Again, that's where that pious list comes from the bible's full of lists of piety right the things that god would like how he would uh, like us to behave not because we achieve them perfectly but it certainly isn't because they're not important just because you may not be under the law meaning you are condemned by the law as a guilty sinner who will uh, go to hell that's what that scripture means i'm not under the law it doesn't mean that the law is not good If the law says, thou shalt not lie, it's just period, right? So when we look at it, we say, man, I I don't want to lie. Now, you might say, I don't want to tell the truth, neither. The Bible says to bring every thought captive to Christ Jesus, so there's nothing wrong with stopping and saying, I'm not sure how I want to answer this right now, I'm going to pray about it. Be an example in conduct. 
what you do. This is what Paul is telling Timothy. Be an example in word and conduct. Then he says, be an example in love. Be an example in love. Jesus said, they will know you are my disciples by how you love each other to a group of disciples who were arguing about which one was the greatest. No, I'm better than you. No, I'm pretty sure you're not better than me. Peter, you got a big mouth. Everybody knows it. You're, you're not better than me. I'm the disciple Jesus loves. I'm obviously the greatest one because he must not love any of you guys if he loves me. Right? You don't think those things happen? The Bible says they're full of arguing back and forth. But that, the Lord didn't say, they'll know you're my disciples by which one of you rises to the top over others. He says, they'll know you're my disciples by the way you love each other. How do we love each other? We reach out. We touch. We comfort. We exhort. We rebuke. In love. For what purpose? To see restoration. You guys know a house divided against itself. What did Jesus say? Cannot stand. And we say, why? Where's the church in our days? Where's the influence in our days? The influence in our days is divided. What do you mean, where is it? We are fighting amongst ourselves and shining our armor. So the church just can't fight because she's asleep in the light. Why do you think Jesus said through Paul, Awake, all you who sleep. Wake up. The challenge to Timothy, man, put this stuff away. Get this out of our mind. I want to be someone who, who is an example in love, which is how I react to the stuff that happens. I know this. If I react and I'm not spending time in God's word, I'm always wrong. It's always my flesh. It's always a corrupt word. It's always negative focus. If I'm going to walk in love, then I have to be immersed. He's going to tell us that in just a moment. I'm going to be an example in faith. That's inward. Being faithful and trustworthy. Holding fast to what you believe. I want to be an example in purity. That's walking in integrity. Right? Not comparing ourselves with one another, but comparing ourselves with Christ. The Bible says, He's the rule. Not your brother or sister. I do this all the time. I catch myself all the time. Kathy usually will be telling me about something I need to stop. And then immediately, without even thinking, I'll say something that I think she needs to stop. You guys don't do that, right? So, so that, that happens to us sometimes. And as soon as it comes out of my mouth, I'm like, what am I doing? She's not the example. It's not her performance that is the example. Who is the example for every believer? Jesus is the example. So you, you, don't, get to go, you don't get to look at a situation and say, well, they did this. Well, they said that. Well, they did this. What does the Bible say? The Bible says Jesus Christ is the rule. Paul said, you have not so learned Christ. If he's our example, then we do his example. If we don't, just understand what you are choosing. I'm choosing not to do that example. I'm choosing not to be an example of Christ. 
For the wrath of man will never accomplish the righteousness of God. Ever. We want to walk in that example. We want to be good examples. Verse 13, he says, Until I come, here's the challenge within the church, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. Devote yourself to reading the Word of God out loud. Every husband ought to read the Word of God out loud to his wife. You always have somebody you can read to. Every father ought to read the Word of God out loud to his children. Every child ought to read the Word of God aloud to themselves, to their friends. The public reading of the Word. Devote yourself to public reading, to exhortation, and to teaching. To read the Word, to exhort. That word literally is preach. To preach the word. <clears throat> so he's saying, read the word, preach the word, and teach the word. Read the word, preach the word, and teach the word. Exhortation is encouraging and building others up by the word of God. And teaching means holding fast to good doctrine. Theology matters. Everybody says they're bored by doctrine or they're bored by theology, but your entire life is run by your theology. Your worldview is dictated by your theology. What you believe about God. That's how you live. The reality of our theology. We want to give attention to these things. Pay attention to these things. Hold fast to these things. Verse 14 he says, Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Literally he's saying to Timothy, Stop neglecting your gift. What gift? Second Timothy 1.6, Paul writes to Timothy, For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. Again, he says there was a laying on of hands, the impartation of a gift. Second Timothy 4.5, he writes this, As for you, always be sober-minded, enduring suffering. Do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Timothy, the gift that Timothy had was the gift of evangelism. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, there are gifts given to the church. One of those gifts given to the church are evangelists. He says to Timothy, just be, be who you are in Christ. Be what you are according to the laying on of hands. Fulfill your purpose in your ministry. A couple of weeks ago, I told you there's going to be a lot of changes. You remember? Hold on. Things change. The one thing I can promise you, I'm sure things change in Paul's life all the time. Paul and Timothy, Timothy go to Corinth, Timothy go to Ephesus, Titus go to Crete. There was always somebody going somewhere, things shifting, trying to solve issues within the body of Christ. The same thing for us today. Tyler's not with us this morning because he is getting on a plane somewhere or flying in the air on his way to Jordan. He's going to set ground and he's going to walk around Jordan and he's going to have a vision trip to decide, is Jordan the place where God is calling me? Because things change in the body of Christ. Jason and Danielle, they're not here at Calvary Chapel Buell at all anymore. They are all the way in Kimberly. Every day, Monday through Friday, 
the office is empty and has my stuff in it. If you try to go visit Jason, he's not there. Why is he not there? Because he has had the laying on of hands and the sending out. Fulfill your ministry. Be focused on what's going on in Kimberly. And so that's where they are. That's where they're going. They do a midweek service, I think, on Thursday, so they can come here on Wednesday night. But otherwise, they are in Kimberly all the time. Part of the result of going to Kimberly all the time, Jason stepped off of the elders board. As a result, Jonathan Younger stays one more year, so we don't have to replace two elders at once. The deacons are coming on. There's going to be phone calls going out to a variety of men who were nominated by you guys, who will be confirmed by the six, will be confirmed by the elders, and and hands will be laid on them, and they will become the first ever deacon board at Calvary Chapel Buell. Then, as a result of Jason being focused in Kimberly, we are laying hands on a couple of other young men to stand up in youth group. Josh Dowding and Jared Nebaker. And to fulfill what scripture is talking about in this text, I'm going to have them come up. We're going to have the elders come forward and we're going to lay hands on them and pray over them. And pray them into that role Until God does something different. Because at the end of the day, he's the one in charge. Because there is a plurality of leaders. I don't just make a decision. I don't just say, thus saith the Lord, and then do what I want. We have a board. We have a board so that we can come together and discuss the things and the directions that we're we're moving toward. So I'm going to have Josh and Jared come on up. And if the elders who are here would come on up and we will lay hands on Josh and Jared and pray for them as they step into ministry, keeping in mind exactly what we're looking at right here, right? Don't neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. So the council of elders is small this morning. (laughs) but we're going to lay hands on them and pray for them and if you guys uh, normally I'd have you guys come up but I still got to finish preaching so it'll take too long you good brother? Yeah. okay let's pray Father God we just come to you we lift up these two men Lord God even as uh, the elders gathered last week and And uh, prayed over and considered these men. Lord, I lift them to you and I pray, God, that you would bestow upon them the gifts necessary to reach the youth. To fulfill your purpose and plan, God. For ultimately, they are your kids. This is your body. And these are the two that you have raised up for this purpose. So, Lord, we ask, God, as we put them in your hands, that you would bless their efforts. That you would accomplish your purpose that you would grow your kingdom, and God, that you would be glorified and magnified in and through it all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
And if any of you have turtles to get rid of, <laughs> that's in case you didn't know, that's reptile rescue. If you go to their house and you hear rattling, just be warned. They have snakes. <laughs> All right, Paul goes on in 1 Timothy 4.15, he says this, hear it please, practice these things, practice this. The next line he says, immerse yourself in them. You get that picture, right? Practice these things, immerse yourself, like bury yourself in in this concept that we're saying, look, I, I want to accomplish these things, not... I want to practice them. I want to work toward them. I want to work on being an example. I want, to, I want to immerse myself completely. The word immerse means to be totally submerged. There's no other way to be in. That's all the way in, right? It's not, I've just put my toes in. I'm up to my ankles. I'm in over my head. That's what the Word of God is calling us to. Why? Why should we do these things? So that all may see your progress. Because as we watch one another make the choice to say, I'm going to practice these things. I'm going to immerse myself in these things. Then it becomes an example to others. And others then begin to practice these things. And immerse themselves in these things. And folks, that's how revival happens. It doesn't start in somebody else. It starts when you draw a circle around yourself and you say, Lord, bring revival to everyone in this circle. When we make the choice to immerse ourselves in worship, when we make the choice to immerse ourselves in all that God has for us, when we make the choice to say, you know, I'm going to put away all this, all, all the drama that's happening in my head. Am I the only one who has drama happening in his head when he shows up at church? So I got all this drama happening in my head and all this stuff going on. Now I'm going to make the choice to throw all that stuff out and just say, you know what? For this time, I'm just going to totally put myself in you. Lord, it's all about you. And allow God to do that work within us so that all might see your progress. So that you're an example to everyone. Keep a close watch on yourself, he says. Does anybody need not to watch themselves? <laughs> if I, I I don't I don't know. How, how sideways something can go. But I promise you, if I do not keep a close watch on myself, sideways will happen. And that's bad all the time, right? We all read about it in the papers. There's people we know of who have failed in ministry, who have blown it, who have had all these, made horrific choices, done horrific things. Paul says, keep a close watch on yourself. You notice he didn't say, keep a close watch on everybody around you. Where did he tell you to watch? Yeah, I can't control nobody else, right? I got lots of plans for other people's lives. I, I, I will tell you the truth. Yeah, I got plans for their lives. But I have no way to make them do them, right? So I pray. And I keep a close watch on myself. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. 
That's specifically what Timothy was there to do. Utilize his gift of evangelism and teach good doctrine. That's my role. Teach good doctrine. Encourage the body to be who she's supposed to be. To love one another. You know, John, who once upon a time was called one of the sons of thunder, the other son of thunder, James, he's the first disciple who is put to death. And, and Herod's so excited about the fact that he killed James, he, he, he starts thinking he wants to kill more. And John, who once upon a time told Jesus, Lord, these people are knuckleheads, just call down fire from heaven and burn them all. <laughs> and Jesus said, you guys are Borgerness, sons of thunder. You don't know what kind of spirit you are. But later on in life, John's the last disciple left. By his own admonition, he's the one Jesus loves. So occasionally he was proud of himself. He's this old man. They, he wouldn't even walk to the front of church. And so they would, they would open up the doors and people would carry him up. And they'd bring, here comes the, the, the Apostle John. He's still alive. He's still with us. You're dealing with sometime post 95 AD. That's, that's pretty late. And he'd come forward in the church. And the tradition tells us, I'm pretty sure tradition tells us he, he died somewhere around Ephesus. And he'd come before the church and he'd stand there and they'd say, John, what do you want to tell everybody? And he would say this, my little children, because when you're like a hundred years old, everybody is your little child, right? My little children love one another. And he was done. Why do you think he'd say that? Because we don't do it very well. And all the other things, all the calling down fire from heaven and get him and smite him and all the stuff that he was as a young man, by the time he's an old man, is all summed up in my little children love one another. Learn to love one another. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this. Hold fast to this. Why? For by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Now, don't lose context. He's not talking about you'll get saved finally if you do this. That's not the saved he's talking about. What is he talking in context? What's he saving them from? False teachers. Bad doctrine. People who become insincere liars, who listen to the lies of the, of the lying spirits who follow the doctrines of demons. How do I stay away from all that stuff? How do I keep myself fast? I immerse myself in these things. I practice godliness. I hold fast to what he says. I persist. And I won't be led astray. I persist in spending time with the Lord and through the Lord and accomplishing the things of the Lord. And as I do, as I persist in these things, more of the Lord comes through. John, John the Baptist, when his disciples came around him and they said to him, John, 
Jesus guy is showing up and all of our disciples are following him. Uh, Our church is getting smaller and his church is getting bigger. What should we do? Remember what John said? I must decrease. He must increase. For all of us, the world does not need more of Jackie. Trust me. Nobody wants more of that. What the world needs is more of Jesus. Less of me, more of him. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Father God, we just come before you this morning. Lord, we want to thank you. We want to honor you and glorify you, God. And we want you to change us. Not that we become men and women who are striving like the disciples to declare who's the greatest, who does it all right, who makes all the right choices. But God, rather we become men and women who are more interested in encouraging others. Encouraging others like like the Apostle John did, to love each other. Well, that doesn't mean, loving someone does not mean you don't tell them the truth. Loving someone doesn't mean you continue to allow them to do things that are going to destroy their soul. I love my kids, but if I don't tell my kids right from wrong, That sin's going to kill him. If I say I survived everything, I hope they will. It'd be better just to tell them the truth and love. I love you, son. Don't do that. The wages of sin is death. Not most of the time. Not some of the time. And the reality is most of us are dying a little every day. Little deaths enter in because we just neglect our sin. And we say it doesn't matter, it's okay. But God, you want more from us. God, help us to be men and women who will be confessors and repenters. Who will learn to love one another in truth and not in falsity. But but when we hold someone accountable in truth, we do it in love and gentleness and meekness. Considering ourselves lest we also be fallen. So we know there but by the grace of God go I. So may we learn to love each other, God. May we learn to be there for one another. May we learn the value of giving someone a hug or shaking their hand, whether we like them or or not, that we extend our heart to people. And sometimes that's going to go south. But Jesus didn't say, I'm calling you to go into the world for all the ease of it. Specifically, Jesus said, I am calling you as sheep among wolves. God, just 
Help us be willing to be your example. To follow your way. To love the unlovable. To rebuke when there needs to be rebuke. But to love always. I was reminded this week that once a rich young ruler came before you and asked you what he must do to be saved. And as you spoke with him, you told him to do something he didn't want to do. And scripture says he went away sorrowful. But the next word says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. God, help us love each other that way. Be glorified and magnified in this place. God, may we seek to draw near to you and allow you to do a perfect work in and through us, God, as we put ourselves in your hands as clay in the potter's hands. You have your way in me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, we're going to have an opportunity for prayer. So if you want to come forward for prayer, if you need prayer for anything, there'll be folks up front to pray with you. I also need to let you know, I forgot earlier, it's Rita Lang's birthday. Where you at, Rita? So if you see Rita, somebody give her a hug and tell her happy birthday, okay? If you don't, if you're standing next to somebody and you go, I don't know who Rita is, just ask them. They'll tell you. Crazy. And you'll get to meet somebody new. God bless you guys. Go in peace. There is hope in the promise of the cross. You gave everything to save the world you love. And this hope is an anchor for my soul. God will stand unshakable. There is hope in the promise of the cross. You gave everything to save the world you love. And this hope is an anchor for my soul. Our God will stand. See one more time. There is hope in the promise of the cross. You gave everything to save the world you love. And this hope is an anchor for my soul. Our God will stand unshakable. Still going to be here this morning for prayer. If anybody needs prayer this morning, don't uh, don't feel like you can't. But for whatever it may be, just uh, stand in line. And, and there's um, Phil over there that's still available. Um, I want to pray just over you guys, just a quick prayer, just to bless you before you go. Lord, I just thank you for uh, your church, for your people, Lord. I pray blessings upon them and that you would help them go out today encouraged to share your word with the world. In Jesus' name, amen.
gave everything to save the world you love. And this hope is an anchor for my soul. Our God will stand unshakable. There is hope in the promise of the cross. You gave for my soul our God will stand